0: Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello friends, I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and we're going to chat today about the importance of having self-control in our lives. John Piper said that the very concept of self-control implies a battle between a divided self. He said it implies that our, quote, self produces desires we should not satisfy, but instead control. We should deny ourselves and take up our cross daily, Jesus says, and follow him. That's from Luke 9, 23. Daily, our self produces desires that should be denied Or controlled and he continues on and he says when we really see and believe that God is for us by grace through Jesus Christ the power of wrong desires is broken therefore the fight for self control is a fight of faith it always comes back to the gospel my friends right the same faith that saved us is the same faith that sustains us it's Christ who saved us and it's Christ who sanctified us so we know the need for self-control is clear in God's word There is much said about it. We live in a world where we're tempted daily to overindulge and live outside our boundaries. We live in a world that's dominated by self. We have self-centeredness, self-pity, selfishness, self-deception. Wayne Barber shares, he says, what's the middle letter of the word sin? What's the middle letter? What's the middle letter of the word pride? Now you take those two things out, which by the way, the cross does then you don't even have a word. When you say yes to him, you've just crucified the I, quote, I, the flesh. I love that little statement there. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city that's broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. This proverb gives us us a picture of a city with its walls broken down and is utterly defenseless. As a picture of what happens when our wall of self-defense or self-control is gone and we're not able to battle the sinful desires that wage war against our soul self-control means to master our emotions instead of being mastered by them it's the ability to control oneself and in particular our emotions and desires or the expression of them in our behavior especially in difficult or trying circumstances Self-control is also translated as temperance, and this definition means moderation or self-restraint. Same thing, especially in this way. It's especially referring to in eating and drinking. I'm gonna botch this Greek word, but it's akrateia, so it's spelled E-G-K-R-A-T-E-I-A. And this is the translation from Galatians 5.22, or I'm sorry, Galatians 5.23, where we're talking about the the fruit of self-control as a gift of the spirit so that comes from the en in the in the word means in and then the the last part kratos means the power to rule so the stem of that word krat the k-r-a-t in the akratia it speaks of power or lordship so as i'm getting to all this it means literally a holding oneself in or the ability to take a grip of oneself so as i say this right away, like my mind came to our familiar modern slang expressions where we say to get a grip, right? So agratia, self-control, refers to the restraining of passions and appetites that originate from our old self, all right? And I shared this before where we see it also translated as temperance in some translations. It's also used the same word the akratia, in Acts 24, 25, Where it says and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment felix was alarmed and said go away for the present when i get an opportunity i will summon you and in second peter 1 6 but i'm going to read all the verses um actually i'm going to start second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 but keynote here the word self-control is used in verse 6 so starting in verse 5 of Second peter chapter 1 he says for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. The Greeks used this term especially to describe one who had his sexual passions under control. But the New Testament extends the meaning to all areas of life where the discernment between good and evil is important. Think 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, 22, where it says, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So in the ancient days, self-control characterized athletes who desire to be self-disciplined, especially in their quest for victory in the Olympic Games. And I think these verses in 1 Corinthians will come as a remembrance to most of us as I read through these. So 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27 tells us, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified." So Paul, the Apostle Paul here in those verses in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, he's comparing the attitude believers should have here to win the prize. Athletes compete to win a wreath that is perishable, but we do it to receive a wreath that is imperishable. We are destined for eternity as believers. I think that that's a thought that slips our minds quite often, and I know I get caught up in the temporal. So Paul's running and boxing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that I just read are not based on self-effort, but they are empowered by the Spirit and grace-based. Let me continue reading a little further in Corinthians because he reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So the Greek word for worked harder, or we might see it as labored in some translations, means to grow weary, tired, exhausted with toil or burdens of grief. It's bodily labor. Paul is ascribing even his labor to the grace of God. So, Paul's argument here is that athletes exercise self control because they have their eyes set on a goal. And to achieve that goal, they have distractions to avoid and disciplines to implement. All right. An Olympic athlete is not going to sit around for hours a day eating Cheetos, right? They're going to work hard when they're tra- in their training to nourish their bodies well and physically train their bodies. So, As believers, we too are called to control our flesh, not the physical body, but what's inside, what's in our hearts. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Our desires and our flesh are not pure, and they don't naturally desire things of the Lord. So when Paul is talking about self-control here, it's allowing the spirit to take control. So we will walk with and by the spirit. And when we are empowered by the spirit, We can, by the grace of God, have victory over the desires of the flesh and not act on them. If we are in Christ, I'm going to come back again. If we are believers, those of us who have repented and put our faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, we have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, think right there, right? And sin no longer rules over us. We are dead to the power of sin. I really encourage you to take some time to read and study and meditate on Romans chapter 6 here. So Galatians 5.16 tells us to walk by the Spirit. There's a battle going on inside of us, ladies, our corrupted, fallen nature versus the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. But be reminded and hopeful that we've been made new. If we are walking, which shows activity, we're being active, right? We will live by the Spirit and keep in step. Jesus didn't die for us so we can just do what we want to do or to just live to please ourselves. I know when you talk about a subject like self-control, and I'm giving this a lot of backstory so you get a good understanding of what the meaning of the word is here, but when we talk about a subject like this or anything that relates to progress in our sanctification and anything that requires effort on our part, people are going to cry out, legalist, legalist. So when we think that any attempt that we make towards holiness and walking in God's ways is depending on ourselves, we're not thinking rightly. Listen, the spirit of God works in us as believers to put the will and desires within us to do what he desires us to do. Alistair Begg says this beautifully, true freedom is not a license to do as we please, but a liberty to do as we ought. Let me state that again. True freedom is not a license to do as we please, but a liberty to do as we ought. See, when we give in to these sinful desires and indulge in temporary pleasures at that moment, we are loving our sin more than we're loving God. It's idolatry. We're finding satisfaction in something or someone else other than God. And this is a challenge that we all face. We can say things like, I couldn't help myself or I did it because I wanted to. But what we're really saying at that moment is God is not enough for us. But when we're walking by the spirit and we're guided by the word of God, we are able to stay within our God-given boundaries and avoid excess. We are then able to cultivate the skill of living a thoughtful and fruitful and self-controlled life despite our desires. The heart is the center of our mind and emotions. Solomon said it, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. So sin is Internal. It begins on the inside. If I've acted externally in a sinful way, it's because it started on the inside. The enemy of our souls is within us. So, just as the athlete, if he stops exercising, he's going to dis- decrease in strength and endurance. Our spiritual life is also not static. If we're not progressing forward, we're going to be moving backward we're going to lose strength to fight the flesh we need to discipline ourselves in our time in the word we need to take time to study the word of god this is an area to exercise self-control in paul says in first corinthians 9 27 i beat my body and make it my slave listen i don't always feel like reading my bible because it takes work And, you know, really easy, if I just say reading a magazine or a novel is a lot less labor intensive and probably a lot less convicting, right? But if I'm going to discipline myself for godliness, I need to do what I know I ought to do. Luke 9.23 reminds us, if anyone would, I'm sorry, Luke 9.23, let me try that again. Sorry, ladies. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So the quality of self-control is one that's important in every season and area of our lives. It's not just for spiritual leaders, but as Titus 2, 3 through 5 states, the older women are told to model this virtue and to teach it to the younger women. And if you read through Titus 2, it's not just the older women, but Paul advises the older men, the older women, the younger men, the young women, we're all to exhibit self-control. So there isn't a stage of life where this ends. Let me read Titus 2, 3 through 5. It says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Jerry Bridges, favorite author of mine, has a helpful book called The Fruitful, Fruitful Life, where he takes a different fruit of the spirit and works through it in each chapter, the chapter on self-control was such a great help to me in preparing in my time today, and I love sharing good resources with you all. And this is one to put on your to-read list if you haven't yet. So, but this is a topic that's so important in our walk as believers. If we don't have a sound mind, as we're not able to love our husbands or children when they're not lovable, we're going to check out emotionally when things get too chaotic. We're going to be selfish in our behavior, and our lives will produce unstable behavior in many areas. So my hope is we can learn together, with the help of the Holy Spirit, how to live lives that exhibit self-control. So depending on what Bible translation you're using, self-control in Titus 2.5 may be translated as discreet, sensible, or self-controlled. This translation in this and this Greek word—it's from the Greek word sophron. So the word in Greek is used three different ways in the King James Version. You can find it as sober, temperate, and discreet. And the word sophron—it's s S-O-P-H-R-O-N, o p h r o n—comes from two words. So the first word, so s o from sozo, means to save or from SOAS, the end part, which means sound, and then "friend" P-H-R-E-N, which means mind. I'm going to put this all together so it'll make sense, so bear with me. So, SOFRON, S-O-P-H-R-O-N, the translation of self-controlled in Titus 2.5, means having a saved or sound mind. It means to have sound judgment, common sense, and right priorities. Jerry Bridges says about sound judgment, and it's a long quote here, but it's good. So hold on, and I'll put it in the show notes too. He says, sound judgment enables us to determine what we should do and how we should respond. Inner strength provides the will to do it. Both sound judgment and inner strength are thus necessary for spirit-directed self-control. Sound judgment is critical to the exercise of self-control. It enables the godly person not only to distinguish good from evil, but also to sort out the good and the best. Sound judgment enables us to determine the boundaries of moderation in our appetites, desires, and habits. Sound judgment helps us to regulate our thoughts and keep our emotions under control. But sound judgment alone is not enough to enable us to practice self-control inner strength is also essential. All too often we know very well what to do, but we do not do it. We allow our feelings or desire to overrule our judgment. Ultimately, self-control is the exercise of inner strength under the direction of sound judgment that enables us to do, think, and say the things that are pleasing to God. End quote. Jerry Bridges shared how the grace of self-control affects so many aspects of our lives that i wanted to make it practical practical for us as women and i broke it down into areas that we may be prone to struggle being mastered by christ some of these are areas where i struggle and i'm going to be honest here it can be easy to think that i'm doing pretty good when i look at the areas that I seem to have mastered, which the reality is I have nothing mastered, okay? The reality, again, is on this earth, I'm never going to master or reach perfection in anything. (laughs) There is always room for growth and improvement. See, we have freedom in Christ, but our desires are corrupted. And there are things God has intended for our enjoyment and use. But at times, they can tend to become our masters. So heed Paul's warning to the Corinthian believers First Corinthians 6:12 says, "Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. When the spirit is controlling us, then it keeps even the permissible things from mastering our bodies. So the first area on my list here is eating. I like to eat and I'm really thankful for the gift of good and yummy food from the Lord. First Corinthians 10:31 tells us so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We're to receive our food from the Lord with thanks and gratitude, but gluttony, which is excess eating, is not to have a place in our lives. The Bible refers to it as a sin. Proverbs 23, 20 through 21 says, be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Carolyn Mahaney says, eating to calm our fears, alleviate stress. Overcome feelings of depression are other habits that do not glorify God. End quote there. Nelise Elise Fitzpatrick, in a very helpful book called Love to Eat, Hate to Eat, says one of the ways that the Spirit's name is translated in scripture is comforter. He wants to teach you to comfort yourself, not with food, but with his comfort. I can be very guilty of this, ladies. So Proverbs thirty-one thirty reminds us, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, this is another area as Christian women we have to caution ourselves because we're in a culture, which culture has probably always obsessed with appearances, but we're in a culture that currently obsesses with appearances. Are we eating or possibly are we not eating? Because we would like to have a figure that draws attention from others that's sin. Are we looking to please man and glorify ourselves instead of seeking to glorify God and please him with our eating habits? We should give thanks to the Lord for the food he provides and blesses us with. We can delight in this gift of food from the Lord and we can use it for his glory. So another area for us to ponder on how we exhibit self-control is our sleeping. All right, we need sleep, right? God designed our bodies for sleep. But how do we exercise self-control in this area of lives? I'm going to share a quote from Martha Peace, and these are not going to be easy words to hear. This is her quote. If I have a lot of complaints, you could send an email to Martha Peace or you can email me. That's fine. Because this is a challenging quote. So listen in, search your heart here. Um, look in the mirror, honestly, more than search your heart. Look in the mirror and see if this is speaking truth to you. So she says. I've heard of women who pride themselves on being night people. That means they have trouble getting up in the mornings because they come alive at night. They may stay up to all hours reading, watching television, or pursuing some sort of interest. The next morning, they are too tired to get up and care for their family. These women are not night people. They are lazy and selfish. Who would not rather stay up late to do whatever they pleased and sleep late the next day? Once a young wife begins getting up earlier than her children and her husband, she will cease to be a night person. She will be tired at night and go to bed at a reasonable hour, so she will be there to serve her family the next morning, end quote. Proverbs twenty thirteen says, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. So let's do as the verse says, open our eyes. When that alarm clock goes off in the morning... We need to open our eyes, right? Moms of little ones who are up in the middle of the night, please be reminded that this is a season that's going to pass. So get the sleep that you need to get. But I can attest that before I was married and before children, I would have said I was a night person. But as I changed my schedule, my sleep patterns changed. As I went to bed earlier, I just naturally got up early and it was just a habit that I had to develop in my life just really because of the needs in my family at that time so I don't know where you're at here but that's where I'm telling you you need to determine that and take a peek and ask the Lord to search your own heart here and see if there's changes that need to be made so our third area I'm going to talk about that we need to exhibit self-control as believers is in our thoughts um, the second part of second Corinthians 10 5 says and take every thought captive to obey Christ so studies say that ten thousand thoughts cross our minds every day that's crazy isn't it we are not capable of taking one thought captive to christ without the help of the holy spirit so we can't even imagine taking 10 thoughts captive right we have to remember what occupies our minds determines our behavior we are able to control our thoughts by god's grace he gives us the power of the holy spirit Philippians 4.8 tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So never a day goes by that my thinking is dominated by all those thoughts. There's no way, right? My days are not perfect. That's not what my mind is focus on. focusing on. But what I should be thinking about is, think, do I think thoughts to myself throughout the day such as, my husband is admirable, my children are lovely, my God is worthy to be praised. We have to remember what occupies our minds, determines our behavior. Psalm 1914 tells us, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer so our fourth area we're going to talk about are our emotions this could probably be a whole podcast in itself um maybe that's a future one to put on the list so our emotions were given to us by god to glorify him and enjoy him think of how our emotions enrich our lives every day when we're happy to see our husbands come home from work or the joy we feel from hugging our children the surprise that we receive flowers from our husband or the excitement of getting all the laundry caught up amen to that one right Imagine life without these emotions. You can't. Emotions make our lives meaningful. They are a gift from the Lord to us. But let's look at the negative emotions, such as fear, despair, guilt, and loneliness. These serve a purpose, too. They reveal the state of our hearts, and our hearts govern our feelings. When I'm feeling loneliness, I need to bring my emotions back to the truth of God's Word. And His Word says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always. When I'm feeling guilty, I need to be reminded there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to bring our emotions in line with the truth of his word and glorify God and our emotions. The fifth area is speech. And I have a whole podcast on this one that I'll link to in the show notes. I'd love you to take a listen or maybe a re-listen to it because as I'm Looking at this, I think I need to take a re-listen to it. But I really do, I really um, want to do another podcast on our speech because it can be such a struggle for us as women, And maybe just a whole podcast on dealing with gossip. And as I'm saying that, I'd love you to take a visit to Jennifer Ross from Confidently Called. Um, We just had a discussion together on her podcast on gossip that just came out this week. So I'll link to that in the show notes also if you want to pop in and take a listen So our speech cannot be tamed by self-effort, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit and His grace. This is a favorite verse of mine. It's a reminder I need continually. Ephesians 4, 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. I think about that a lot. Do my words give grace and edify others? So let me give you Carolyn Mahaney's paraphrase of this verse. She says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from my mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to my husband's and children's need of the moment, that it may give grace to my husband and children. James tells us in James chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 10, he says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So ladies, sinful words are the result of a sinful heart. Outward conformity always begins with inward transformation. So the sixth area I'm going to talk about, and I'm I'm covering these briefly to ponder, so I'll put them in the list. But if there's areas that you know you're weak, these are things to really pray and seek the Lord and ask for his help in. So number six is our priorities. And you know me and my podcast and my blog, I have a lot of um, a few different podcasts. I know one on self-discipline, um, planning, one on planning our days. I'm kind of blanking here for a moment as I'm thinking through this. Cleaning schedules, different things that I have on there, really priorities as wives and mothers. That seems to be a a huge basis for my blog. But so let's talk about our priorities a little bit. Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. We need to evaluate priorities in each new season of our lives. There may be things that we're just not able to participate in at this season of our lives, but there may be a time when we can. Ask yourself if this is a good thing at this moment in my life. Seek the Lord for His agenda for your life right now. We need to choose what is best, and it may mean saying no to opportunities that are good, but they are not what is best maybe just at this time of our lives. So self-control in this era helps us to discern and carry out our priorities. Seek your husband's guidance, ladies, if you're married. They know us better than anyone or anything else on this earth. Our, the seventh area we're going to talk about is our time. So how do we spend our time, right? Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So asking again, how do we spend our time? Do we spend it efficiently? We're to be reminded that we have enough time to do what God wants us to do. And our number one priority should be daily time with the Lord, because if we don't spend time with him, this reveals a self-sufficiency problem. We're saying to God, I can do this on my own. So ponder some things. Are we involved in things we shouldn't be involved in? Do we squander our time? Do we waste our time? One way to see how we spend our time is to log everything we do for a week. You can find free printouts online to do this even, which is the days and the hours of the day. And you can see areas where you're wasting time that the Lord has gifted us with. I'm not saying you have to be doing something every moment of the day, but it is sometimes good to track and see what you're doing because maybe even as you're weeding and trying to see what's important and what's not, to see it laid out for you on paper is a good way to do that. Okay, and the last area I'm going to talk about, and just briefly here, is, is our money, um, self control, and our money. So, do we stay within our means and budget? Are we content? It doesn't mean we have to work outside the home. We may, but like the Proverbs 31 woman, how do we contribute to the saving, making, and managing the money in our homes? And I'm just going to read Proverbs 31, I'm going to read verses 16, 24, and 27. So 16 says, She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. 24 says, She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies belts to the tradesmen. And verse 27 says, She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So there's a lot of ways. We do not need to work out of our home. We can save money within our home. When we talk about things like managing our home wells and menu planning, those are great tools you have, ladies, to help save money and contribute financially to your budget in good ways. So really just um, seeking our hearts there. And maybe that's an area we need to talk about our husbands with, just if we don't have a budget to work through that. So as we draw to a close here, the reality is we don't naturally think straight. It's the grace of God in us. We have to remember that we are dependent on the grace of God to make us want to be a woman who lives out a gracious, sofron, or self-controlled lifestyle. Nancy Lee DeMoss, or Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, sorry, it's in my mind still. I can't get rid of that. I'm sorry. So Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth says If the kind of self control and sensible thinking that we're talking about is being produced by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God, this is a person who will not be uptight. Rigid, legalistic, but a person who will be winsome, compelling, beautiful, and free, free to live within the parameters that God has designed for our lives. Being Sophron increases our capacity to pray, to love, and to serve others. So, our sound thinking, preparing our minds, being sober minded, will result in holy living. As believers, we all desire to live out holy lives that are pleasing and glorifying to God. This takes discipline. We need to be continually preparing our minds for action, guarding our thoughts, and being aware of the allurement of temptation and worldliness so that we can live holy lives because our thinking is sober-minded. We need His grace, ladies, to grow in this area of self-control. This is not a theology of works. Because no amount of self-control can make us more righteous and therefore acceptable before God. We are accepted to God through Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection on our behalf. So I start where I began the podcast, with the gospel. The Christian way of self-control, it's not just a life of saying no to things. We say no, but in a certain way, because we say no by faith and power and joy In our risen Christ, there's a huge difference between worldly self-control and godly self-control. And that difference is who gets the glory. Is it Christ or us? If our self-control is because of the work of Christ's power within us, he will get the glory. God does not leave us here alone. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit, but just another reminder, we have one another We have other brothers and sisters in the faith to spur us on to love and good deeds. So let's look out for one another. When the word of God has grabbed hold of our affections and his grace and his goodness to us, the ways of the world will have no appeal to us. So my prayer for us today is that Christ may be our all in all. We're in a battle, but our victory is assured so we may live self-controlled lives and walk by the spirit, right? Jesus is enough always. So ladies, thank you for your time today. And as always, you can find the show notes and the resources mentioned over at my little home on the web at the blog, thankfulhomemaker.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, always I ask you, please share it with a friend. I would love that, or two, a friend or two. And if you haven't yet, I'd love you to leave a rating and or review on iTunes. It is a huge help in having others to find the little podcast out there too. So I so appreciate it. Have a blessed week, my dear friends.